the infant of a depressed mother is actually at a higher risk for developing insecure attachment and negative affect. And, and they have a really difficult time regulating their emotions. Um, toddlers and preschoolers of depressed mothers are at higher risk of developing um, self-control. Um, and you can have a lot of behavioral issues. So um, it does affect their uh, conduct. Um, it does affect their uh, affect. And it does affect their learning abilities. And it does cause, um, or it's one of the risk factors for children developing anxiety and mood disorders. Marhaba, Ana Karen Abu Jaude. Ana Sara Raslan. وأنا ميس عمران. Welcome to Al-Umuma. Real talk, guys. We'll be taking you through all the stages of pregnancy and motherhood and diving into the stuff no one talks about. From fears and anxieties, sex drive, to social stigmas, we will be sharing our personal experiences with you. And of course, welcome various special guests to share their journeys and learnings too. And most importantly, hear from you, mamas. This is your podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram where we'll be taking all your awesome questions. Don't shy away, mamas, or even papas. All sorts of questions are welcome. Just remember, folks, we are not medical professionals. We are mamas sharing our experiences with you. All thoughts and opinions expressed are our own. Hello and welcome back El Umuma family. We are so excited to welcome another special guest onto our show today. Our guest Rasha Salib is going to take us through postpartum depression, but let's have her introduce herself for you. Rasha, welcome. How are you? Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. My name is uh, Rasha Salib. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, so I'm currently working in Jordan at Abdali Hospital. That's where our clinic, my clinic is. And um, I'm so excited about this topic today because um, I think it's something that people don't really talk about. And it's something very dear to my heart, um, especially after I myself became a mother and I realized um, how little support mothers have and how important it is for um, everyone to be talking about it. So hopefully we'll be able to spread the message today. Russia, not just that, actually, you have started now in Jordan um, postpartum depression support group. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We're in the process of um, getting it up and running. So at the hospital, working with a lot of OBGYNs, a lot of pediatricians, because honestly, like uh, what we saw is that, um, you know, the mother, after she delivers the baby, she sees her OBGYN for a visit after like six weeks for like birth control options. But then after that, she never sees the OBGYN again. So I think the pediatricians also need to be in the picture because they start sort of following up with the baby. Um, so I would hope that we can also empower um, the professionals and the doctors to be able to sort of pick up on the signs and to refer to, um, you know, support groups or mental health professionals early on. That's incredible. That's so important to be able to link all of the doctors um, that are involved in taking care of mama postpartum um, from the OBGYNs to the pediatricians to 
uh, mental health or clinical psychologists? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are scared to talk about it because there's a lot of like social cultural stigma. There's a lot of fear of judgment. Um, you know, like women are supposed to be like the perfect mom. That's the role that she needs to play and feel very comfortable in. Um, and and really, it's very important to to let people know that you're not alone. You know, um, and you don't have to have these amazing feelings of being super excited and super happy about the baby. That does happen for a lot of people, but not for everyone. So it's there's not a lot of information, and we really need to understand the nature of postpartum depression and the stigma in our society about its caused and you know there's this idea that you you know why would a woman I hear this a lot like you know what do you mean postpartum depression like a woman should be happy after having a baby especially if they've been trying for so long and that thinking really leaves a lot of women to suffer alone it's like if I really wanted the baby why am I having all these feelings and when they suffer alone they're really in a lot of pain and shame and they feel really scared to talk about their true genuine feelings because they you know I think a lot of People think that other people won't understand, like, yes, I do love my baby, but I'm struggling with a lot of, you know, my identity. So, yeah, I think uh, my passion is to stress for a lot of mothers that postpartum depression is a real problem. And there are so many factors that hopefully we can address in today's um, topic that um, influence it. And it's never the fault of the mother. It's not an indication of her worthiness. It's not an indication of her love towards her baby. I think that one of the important points that you raised is that there is generally a lot of confusion and l lack of awareness, especially for first time mothers on what is it that they're actually feeling and going through. And in an age of labeling and defining everything, I think it would help for our listeners to break it down a little bit, break down what are the different types of um, postpartum depression or postpartum blues or anxiety can we can we just break it down a little bit just so that we're we're clear on what are the different um emotions that mama could be experiencing um because for me personally like i may have had some level of postpartum something but i'm not quite sure what it was i don't know to what degree it was or severity i had it um, so, so yeah, it would be helpful just to kind of define and clarify what are the different types of categories of, of these different postpartum emotions mama could be experiencing. Yes, Sada, that's a great question because um, you mentioned the baby blues. So the baby blues are actually extremely common. So um, we know that postpartum depression is extremely common. I think one in five women have it. But even if uh, we do better screening and moms feel more comfortable reporting, the numbers might be higher than that. But the postpartum blues, which um, basically are shorter, um, they affect approximately 80% of new mothers, according to the American College of um, Obstetricians and Gynecologists. So um, they are common and they usually happen during the first two weeks after childbirth because of the drastic drop in hormones after childbirth. Um, but I really want to emphasize that postpartum depression is more severe. It does last longer, usually longer than a month. And it, um, one of the criteria that we look for that it needs to cause some impairment in the mother's functioning and a certain level of distress that the mother is experiencing. And it's not just 
sadness. So a lot of moms think of depression as sadness. So if I'm, you know, sad and depressed and whatever, then, um, then that's like postpartum depression, but sadness is not always the primary symptom. And um, a lot of women may not know that they're suffering from postpartum depression. So I'll sort of break down the symptoms of postpartum depression into physical, behavioral, emotional, and cognitive symptoms. Um, and um, maybe this will help a lot of mothers sort of relate to what, um, they may be going through. So anger, rage, restlessness, frustration, irritability, sort of like not hiccup, feeling on edge, uh, not yourself. Sleep disturbances. So pay attention to your sleep, mamas. You know, if you sleep all the time or you cannot sleep, even when you're exhausted or you have the chance to sleep, someone's taking care of the baby and you're not able to sleep. This is one of the symptoms. Um, the feeling of flat or indifferent, um, numb, empty, you know, so you're not really feeling happy or sad. That's one of the symptoms. Uh, persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. Um, extreme mood swings, like you can be calm and then irritable um, frequently. Uh, unexplained, excessive or uncontrollable crying. Um, that's one of the symptoms. Uh, you can have intrusive thoughts of serious harm or death coming to the baby. One common sentence I hear a lot from the mothers and they really feel a lot of guilt when they want, when they share that with me is not feeling connected to the baby. I'm not interested in my child. I don't want to care for her or him. I don't feel these loving feelings towards my baby. I cannot bond with the baby. This is not what I expected it to be. Uh, you know, I thought I would be happy. So these kinds of things are important for professionals to pay attention to. Um, depression also comes with eating disturbances. So not eating for days, you know, not feeling hungry, poor appetite, or not being able to stop eating. Um, anxiety can also come with depression. I'm going to focus a little bit more on anxiety, but a lot of racing fears, worries that cannot be controlled, managed, or stopped. Um, a lot of shame and guilt. I'm not doing this right. I'm a bad mother. Um, I thought I would be better. I shouldn't have had this child. I'm not good enough. Um, I, you know, the child doesn't deserve me. A lot of like distorted thinking about her worthiness. Um, inability to concentrate, being easily distracted, trouble remembering details, difficulty making decisions, doubting your ability to care for the baby or to be a mother, um, feeling overwhelmed. I hear that a lot. I'm overwhelmed. I can't handle things. I'm constantly stressed. I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm an inadequate person. Uh, I don't have energy to do anything. So in terms of the physical symptoms, muscle aches, pains, headaches, stomach pains, something I noticed, especially in our, in our Arab culture, in, our, in the Arab society, is that people are much more comfortable complaining to doctors and to psychologists uh, about physical symptoms because that's less shaming instead of like, like saying, I, I'm distant, I can't connect with my child. So anything physical that is not medically explained is something that could be uh, of a psychological root. Um, acting distant with partner, friends and family, not wanting to socialize, um, not wanting to care for the baby because, you know, I, I have thoughts of harming him, um, not enjoying things that you used to enjoy before, time with friends, family, walks, um, not wanting to be alone with the baby and avoiding tasks and responsibilities. So this is postpartum depression. And I know it's very broad, but sometimes we really need to think of it as not just sadness.
Now, in extreme cases of postpartum depression, there's postpartum psychosis that I just want to briefly touch on, which is actually, um, it, it, it happens shortly after giving birth within the two weeks. Um, and it can happen in as little as 48 hours. And it's, it's it definitely postpartum psychosis needs immediate, immediate psychiatric and psycholo uh, you know, psychological help. Don't ignore the signs. This is not normal. Um, so when someone starts to have hallucinations or delusions, they start to hear sounds that are not there or see people who are not there, paranoia or irrational beliefs, thoughts about suicide, self-harm, or harming the baby, um, confusion and disorientation, being very agitated, sometimes violent behavior, bizarre behaviors that are not characteristic of the individual, mood swings, refusing to eat or sleep, please take those signs seriously. Don't shame the mom, get her help, because this is something very biological. Um, now, postpartum anxiety actually is very common. Um, it's as common as depression. Sometimes they do happen together in parallel. Um, so there's a lot of studies that say it's like uh, about 20 to 25% of mothers struggle with postpartum anxiety. And while we know it's normal for moms to be anxious, it's something completely new, something they need to adjust to. Is the baby sleeping? Are they eating well? Are they hitting their milestones? You know, is this normal? Um, uh, what about SIDS? You know, SIDS, the sudden infant death syndrome, the germs, whatever. Now in Corona times, one thing I like to highlight is that I have noticed a rise in postpartum depression and anxiety because moms are more isolated. The things that you, they used to be able to do, they are not able to do them. They can't go to the gym. Some of the gyms are closed. Um, you know, people are more worried about like, um, you know, people don't visit as much or there's more social distancing. So moms are more isolated. Um, and, and then, um, you know, going to the doctor might not be as, you know, um, frequent as it used to be before. So the anxiety rates and the depression rates definitely increased um, during the post uh, during COVID. Um, but in terms of postpartum anxiety, I usually like to categorize it into different types or subtypes of anxiety. So there's like panic attacks that moms can struggle with, um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, PTSD. But usually like the, the, the most common, you know, form of anxiety disorders is the, um, this constant or, you know, constant worry that cannot be eased just debilitating anxiety and agitation, uh, worrying that bad things will happen to you or your baby, uh, negative thoughts of worry and worst case scenarios about the baby's health, um, you know, thoughts that you're not a good enough mother, um, feeling on edge, guilt and shame, irritability, frustration, tension, sleep disruption, racing thoughts, you can't sit still. And sometimes it comes with a lot of physical symptoms like dizziness, nausea, vomiting, um, fatigue, heart palpitations, and sometimes that can develop into a full-blown panic attack. And then the postpartum OCD um, is something that also requires treatment. Um, and actually it can occur, I, I see it very frequently in uh, moms who are in their like second to third trimester. So four to five months before giving birth and sometimes two to three work, uh, weeks before delivering. And usually it's, it involves disturbing intrusive thoughts and images of harm coming to the baby um, or uncontrollable worries of being left alone with the baby. Um, it can you know, be paired with compulsions or without compulsions, which are behavior or mental acts um, to kind of reduce the intensity of the OCDs. So I'm just going to give brief examples of thoughts um, just to, 
you know, educate some moms about what OCD is. So it could be like unwanted images of hurting the baby, like, okay, I'm going to drop my child. I'm going to throw them. Um, concerns about, um, you know, causing harm to the baby through carelessness. Um, thoughts of suffocating or stabbing the baby. Um, sexually abusing the baby. Uh, making poor decisions that will harm the baby or like the baby developing a serious disease or toxins and chemicals in their environment. So really it's all about uh, harm happening to the uh, baby but then the compulsions are usually like you would find that the mom is getting rid of sharp objects she doesn't go to the kitchen anymore she doesn't touch scissors she doesn't want to feed the baby for fear of poisoning him or her doesn't want to change the diapers because she's getting these images that she accidentally sexually abused her baby um, you know so this kind of thing so these are definitely things that need to be treated. And um, a lot of the time OCD is related to like a drop in serotonin levels um, that can be triggered from the hormonal changes. So medication is very effective and it is available for moms. Um, and the last form of um, anxiety disorder that I mentioned is the PTSD. And I really want to talk about um, how common it is, like we call it like a birth trauma, and how important it is for moms to be given the room to just talk about their trauma. And, um, you know, like a trauma that occurred before, during, or shortly after childbirth. And we really don't, we take it for granted. Like sometimes um, in my work with mothers, like 10 years later, they have like this anxiety about being separated from their kids. And we trace it back to the time when the mom delivered the child and the baby was taken away from her because, um, you know, she was, you know, put in the ICU or something. So that anxiety kind of stays with the mom when she puts her kids to school, when they graduate from school and they want to go off to university. And that's really PTSD. So anything related to, um, you know, difficulty, long, painful child labor, unplanned or emergency C-section that the mom, you know, it sort of came out of the blue. Um, any childbirth complications, sometimes episiotomies can be extremely traumatizing for the mom. And, you know, it changes her genitals and um, she doesn't feel like, you know, she has the same, um, you know, st structure, uh, uh, you know, using forceps, vacuums, um, anything that happens in the birth room, uh, you know, someone's screaming, oh, we lost the heartbeat, the baby's not doing well, he's not crying. Um, if the umbilical cord, um, you know, was wrapped around their neck, uh, if the baby was sent to the NICU, um, if there's no support, I really want to, you know, um, my next passion is to educate doctors and nurses how to support the mom when she's delivering. She needs a lot of reassurance. She needs a lot of praise. She needs to hear it. She needs to hear, mama, you're doing well. You're doing fine. Just push. We're right here with you. Um, because when she doesn't know what she's you know, what's happening to her and her baby, there's a lot of hopelessness, there's a lot of powerlessness, and that can create a lot of feelings of despair. I think that's um, something to, to, to bring to light, especially if it's the first time you're giving birth. I mean, because you literally, as many classes you can take, as much as you can listen to this podcast to educate yourself on the process, I feel like once you experience it, it's so different. And having having that experience for the first time where you are just trying to understand what is going on with your body and everything happens so quickly it's it's honestly it's it is a shock and i think it's amazing that we have the capability to understand and differentiate one from the other if i have not dealt with my postpartum 
um, anxiety or postpartum harm OCD, could this transition into another postpartum issues? Yes, I absolutely believe in that. So this is what I was saying that these are um, like if you meet criteria for um, postpartum OCD or postpartum depression, that needs treatment. And the, the treatment might not be chemical, you know, like medications, but it does. You do need to sit with um, a psychologist and to work through these emotions because they're not just going to disappear because usually people who have, um, you know, postpartum harm OCD, they have an extremely high level of guilt. Um, and we know about the mommy guilt. <laughs> it sort of like comes with becoming a mother and it's so ingrained in our society of what it means to be a good mom. So the good mom, the good mom is the one who sacrifices her life for her child. The good mom is the one who puts herself on the side. The good mom is the mom who doesn't take care of herself and just focuses on the child. So anything opposite to that, like if you have feelings of, I actually, you know, one time for myself, it's associated with a lot of guilt. And sometimes OCD um, can be connected to extremely high levels of guilt. So if the mom does not treat these issues, I really, really, really doubt that um, they're just going to sort of disappear on their own. Rasha, you mentioned uh, with with regards to, um, I mean, I'm personally super interested in um, the, the PTSD aspect and the trauma aspect of what could go on inside the delivery room and with unexpected uh, deliveries or emergencies, um, you know, it could be a super traumatic experience. But even if there isn't an emergency in and of itself, being in that delivery room or being in the hospital is a scary experience. Um, but I think it's also important to highlight that f you don't necessarily have to be have gone through any sort of trauma in order to be feeling these different types of anxiety disorders. Is that right? It, it, it could just be a chemical imbalance, as you mentioned with the, with the fluctuating hormones. We don't necessarily have to, as moms, we don't necessarily have to have a reason for why, um, we're going through the, these, these different, um, anxiety disorders. Yes, that's true. Um, and um, we need to, I always talk about like the stress diathesis model because, um, you know, sometimes um, having a family history of um, psychiatric disorder, depression, postpartum depression, or other mood disorders, you can live your entire life not having a mood disorder, but pregnancy and delivery itself is actually a huge stressor on the mom. You know, yes, it happens very frequently. Everyone gets pregnant. Everyone has babies. But it doesn't mean that it's not a stressor on the body of the mom. Um, and, you know, I always tell mom it takes like one year to two years for your body to restabilize and to normalize because the hormones shoot up. Um, you know, and and um, and and it triggers a lot of chemical changes in your system. And the medical um, and these chemical changes really affect. Um, your mood and um, and as you said Sarah like you don't have to have a clinical diagnosis to seek help and this is why like the support groups are extremely helpful because moms can go in they can listen to other mo mothers talk and their their experiences and they can feel oh I'm not alone I guess other people feel that too oh okay so it's normal to have these concerns or to have these worries and it's not just me and that's really helpful to get that validation um so and um 
you know, I talked about the causes of postpartum depression. So the hormones is one of them, the medical um, vulnerability that you come with, whether it's inherited from your family. And then, you know, it's like the the, the pregnancy and the birth activates uh, the gene expression of depression or mood disorders or whatever. No one comes without any genetic vulnerability for psychological issues like medical issues. But also there are a lot of lifestyle factors and emotional factors. We know we talked about sleep. We talked about parenting a newborn and not having an idea as to what to do. Relationship issues, um, especially if you have poor marital relationships. Unfortunately, sometimes domestic violence rates increase um, after having a baby um, um, and then, um, you know, the, the, the mother needs a lot of support. She might feel neglected, unsupported, burdened, exhausted. Um, and uh, there's decrease in intimacy, less time for the couple together. Um, if they have problems with communication, then they're exacerbated after having a baby. Um, there's more responsibilities, more chores, uh, you know. Um, and then there's, you know, less free time. Um, um, lack, you know, if you don't have a good support system or uh, n not enough time to exercise, if your nutrition is poor. So these are all like indicators as to where we can help a mom. But um, something that I found very interesting in my work with mothers is that especially in our culture, there's a lot of like perfectionistic thinking related to parenting. Like I want to be the perfect parent. I want to do this right i want to master the breastfeeding i want to get this right I, like this type a personality and there's a lot of competition and comparisons between moms or between like you know you and your mom and how your mom did it um so it's kind of like this pressure of keeping up with how the you know the older generation did it um and and that's really stressful on the mom um uh, breastfeeding breastfeeding and if you're having difficulty with breastfeeding can bring a lot of shame and guilt like I'm not able to provide my baby with the best food or the best services and I'm not a good mom. Um, if you have like a death of a family member, a friend, if the pregnancy was unplanned or unwanted. Um, so all of these things um, in terms of emotional causes can contribute to that. But I also want to stress on the social factors. <laughs> um, um, my work with a lot of mothers, there's a lot of conflict with family-in-laws and even their own family. There's a lot of family over-involvement. Um, you know, do this this way. You need to do this that. Oh, you want to stop breastfeeding. Why? You need to breastfeed or you should stop breastfeeding. Like there's a lot of judgment on the mom. And there's a lot of pressure to breastfeed or not to breastfeed. Oh, don't breastfeed in front of me. It's disgusting. Like they see all kinds of things that are really hurtful for a mom who's going through a lot of adjustment. And um, sometimes like... Um, some families, you know, struggle to accept that this is a new unit and they could do things differently than how we did it or I did it with my partner and um, inserting yourself in decisions as a couple, um, you know, whether it's about sleeping or eating or feeding your child. Um, and then, you know, sometimes in-laws or families can um, have a negative influence because they, they they will start talking to the son oh your your partner is doing it wrong and you know and and they might not respect your space or your personal time or your boundaries so sometimes they can drop in unannounced and that can be very stressful for the mom who wants to nap or sleep or um, and then there are certain traditions that they want to keep up with so yes every Friday we're going to have the family lunch and no matter what you have to come and bring your baby so that can be very stressful on the mom 
Um, and a lot of my work with new moms is just to practice and to role play um, boundary setting. Amazing. Resha, I wanted to ask you uh, just to take it back a bit. You mentioned in the group, the, the support group that you were starting with the hospital that you're working at in Amman, that it includes or involves uh, bringing in the OBGYN and the pediatrician. And I'm just thinking out loud now, uh, because you, you've listed off a lot of uh, predictive measures in a mom possibly getting uh, one of these postpartum anxiety disorders, such as um, you know interpersonal uh, issues such as uh, childhood abuse or um, perhaps um, intimate, uh, uh, the, the, their partner, like spousal abuse, um, et cetera. So I'm just thinking part of educating OBGYNs in this whole field of postpartum anxiety disorders could be that during those first appointments with your with the with the consultant with the doctor um you know when the doctors kind of ask you like oh what's your medical history is there any cancer is there any you know blah 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 etc could there be maybe a section asking on you know such such um, interpersonal difficulties or challenges that the mom may have faced or is facing in their cur current personal life, um, because that could then be an indicator for the mom then having some sort of postpartum anxiety disorder. And then it could be an opportunity for the OBGYN to link that person with other medical health professionals afterwards, or just to kind of follow up on the well-being of the mom, because having these types of anxiety disorders, um, while we while we attribute it to a, a, I mean, they're called postpartum, but they could also be experiencing them even before the baby is born. Actually, Sarah, um, sorry, um, Rasha, um, when because I gave birth in the UK at a private hospital, and when they were when they were I wouldn't say interviewing me when they were taking my medical history down, they also took down my psychological history. Oh. So they asked me questions which I didn't know at the time what they were for until later on they explained why. They asked me, have you ever had a depression? Have you ever experienced uh, stress or anxiety? Um, please, and they even, by the way, for violence and abuse in a household, they tell you that they're going to leave the room and to put a sticker, a specific sticker on your workbook so that the medical professionals know when they're looking at your file that this is something that's happening to you. But anyway, they asked me these series of questions, which we just discussed are either causes or predictive factors that could lead to increased chances of postpartum depression or postpartum PTSD. To know and to sort of be aware, is this someone that we need to monitor a little more closely? So I know in the UK that they do do this and it is incredible. It's amazing that they do that. I mean, I've, I also delivered in the UK my first baby, my second baby I'm delivering in Dubai. Um, and I did visit uh, three or four doctors and no one asked me um, those types of questions yes in the middle east i think it's not as um you know they they sort of don't and and also to ask about medications like do you take any psychiatric medications 
Um, and um, I mean, even before um, deciding, there's not a lot of awareness like with the OBGYN. It's like there needs to be some sort of a relationship. Are you thinking of having babies? What medications are you on? What are they for? And then to really connect. The, so the mental health screening um, during before, during and after pregnancy is extremely essential, um, but also just to help the mom, because what I see is that a lot of, um, you know, people don't visit their OBGYN um, for, pre per for preventative. It's like, yeah, when I get pregnant, then I see my doctor. They don't go in and say, look, we're thinking of having a baby. Um, you know, what do we need to do? How can I prepare myself physically? Uh, do I need to take any supplements? So sometimes they are taking certain medications that lead to miscarriage. And then um, these medications, um, um, you know, if they're the primary cause of the miscarriage, that can cause post like that can cause depression and it can cause more anxiety for the future pregnancies. Oh, I went through like a miscarriage because of a medication that I was on that I wasn't told that I need to stop it or I need to switch it to a safer medication. So it, it, it's sort of, they're, they're very intertwined. So my hope is for, um, you know, uh, OBGYNs to have more thorough mental health screens to ask about how are you doing? Um, how are you doing emotionally? You know, um, is there anything going on at home? Uh, maybe have like um, uh, an assessment for a mood uh, for depression and anxiety. And then, um, you know, they need to be equipped. Who can I refer to? Um, what psychiatrist is on call? Um, which psychologist can see this patient? So the services are very important in terms of connect. Like, is there a group that is available that I can refer my uh, mother to? I wish they were more obvious in letting us know that these services exist because in my head, like growing up in the Middle East, each doctor has their own specific, you know, what they can and can't do. And that's it. If you are going to the OBGYN, you're going to the OBGYN. If you're going in for a cough and cold, you go to a different doctor. But I never realized that they have to, they have to be connected and they have to inform one another. So I'm really glad that you're doing this at your hospital. And I hope other clinics and hospitals, you know, adopt the same idea um, they are connected. There is postpartum care. And, and you know, I'm one of those people that was, you know, you go to the OBGYN when you're pregnant and then that's it, you're done. Like I didn't, I only got checked up after six weeks because that was what was required of me. But I wish I was informed or I wish I was told to come in, you know, a little bit more. And it wasn't just a physical check. It was also a mental and emotional check and a psychological, you know, Rasha, I have a question for you. If, for example, a mother experiences postpartum depression in one pregnancy, does it mean that in the next pregnancy she will experience it as well or vice versa? In her first pregnancy, no postpartum anxiety disorders, but in the second one did experience postpartum anxiety disorders. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So, um, and this is why I'm such a big advocate of getting treatment. So it is one of the risk factors. If you had postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety after a previous pregnancy, then the chances of you having it again, if it was untreated is much, much higher. Um, and, um, so I usually like to tell moms that no two pregnancies are the same. And, um, it's kind of like, because it's an identity shift and it, there's a lot of growth that happens when you become a mother, you know, uh, work on yourself. Like it's, even if you don't have any clinical issues, but like, 
you know, explore who you are, who you became, um, you know, what it means to you to be a mother. How do you feel about playing that role? It is one role of your life. It's not the only role you need to play. So if the mom got support, um, her second and future pregnancies can be easier emotionally. She knows what to expect. Um, she knows what are the red flags. She knows that she can get support, um, knowing that she has someone with her. Um, you know, for me, it's like a lot of my female clients, I really like talk about like, what are your preferences when it comes to like having a child how do you know you're ready and then I talk about like what are the red flags how are you going to deal with them we sort of put a relapse prevention plan even if they never had depression so um or like anxiety disorders we just talk about it as part of the treatment even if that wasn't their goal and then I always say the door is always open for you to come for check-in sessions just to see how you're doing throughout your pregnancy when you give birth um, and knowing that you have a support system is just so helpful. Can you tell us some of these preventative measures that we can take as moms to avoid experiencing this, like homework before we, you know, submit the final exam? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I mean, uh, um, I would say that the mental health screening is great. Knowing what your risk factors is very important. Like, okay, I know... Um, that I struggled with previous or I have a history of depression, you know, and females in my family. I know my mom has been through postpartum depression, so I could have it too. Um, and then um, having like some sort of a, a plan, like, okay, like who's going to help me with the child? Um, what support systems do I have? How can I make sure that I get um, good sleep during the night? Uh, what are my coping skills? Like, you know, how do I talk to myself? What are my expectations? Am I being too harsh on myself? Um, you know, I know I'm going to be more moody. I'm going to be more tearful. And I'm just going to let myself cry um, if I feel like this is what's happening for me. Um, you know, um, uh, do I need help around the house? Chores, dropping expectations. If the house is going to be dirty and messy, that's okay. Um, you know, how can I set boundaries with in-laws? Uh, what are the things that I need to do to take care of myself? Um, can I go for walks, uh, exercise? In terms of breastfeeding, can I take a class um, to be more educated on breastfeeding? But also, I mean, if it doesn't work, is there a lactation consultant that I can connect to right away? Um, uh, information usually really helps. So what to expect? Who Who's going to be with me? Um, in the hospital, what kind of care am I going to get? Um, if there, are, I know there's a lot of these Lamas birthing classes, so these have been very helpful. But there's not a lot of emphasis on mental health, uh, the mental health of the mom. So, like, what are your stressors and how do you deal with them? Um, you know, paying attention to your thoughts, and this is part of what we hope to do at the hospital um, in terms of like what you do and how you think really affects how you feel. Um, so, um, what are some of the thoughts? that are not really helpful that we can change them into more accurate helpful thinking um, communication we look into the relationship with um, the support system whether it's your partner your family and how you can you know set it up for success as much as possible um, you know um, uh, asking family members to take an overnight feed or a pump so that you can sleep, um, taking walks, being in the sunshine, going out. I think this is one thing that a lot of moms um, worry about. Like they think that once I have a baby, I need to stay indoors. I mean, now with Corona, sure, the risks are higher, but 
take your you know child on a walk you know you, they can just sleep in the stroller um if you need to go take you know visit your friends take your baby with you um eating regularly nutritious meals um um i'm always a big advocate of seeking professional help through counseling talk therapy medications if needed um so these are all really important steps that a mom can take to improve whether it's intervening at an early stage or um uh preventing preventing um herself from uh getting or developing some sort of a a severe mental health condition let's talk a little bit about the resilience factors in terms of um prevention for mama so you mentioned for example taking prenatal classes or uh, birth birth uh, birthing classes to prepare oneself um for what to expect but there's an, and and you learn very tangible skills in those types of classes on what to actually do with baby when it's born but what about the other types of skills that mama can learn in terms of resilience um because there there are studies out there that show that um individuals who have uh, coping skills or self-efficacy skills such as um ability to exert control over one's own motivation behavior thoughts etc actually helps in moments of uh, difficulty um or tragedy or trauma so as as a as a psychologist what kind of what kind of skills or tools or classes or preparation can mama do to psychologically strengthen her mind um to better cope with the the challenges of becoming a new mom yeah that's a great question so um a lot of the skills we extra i i mean th- that i teach a lot of the moms are um from the cognitive behavioral therapy principles and the dialectical behavioral therapy principles So it's a well-known type of therapy where we discuss feelings and thoughts um and and thought patterns that um can bring on depression and anxiety. So one of the skills is just educating mothers about what are some of the distorted thought patterns that can create um you know emotional distress and can affect your behaviors in negative ways. So thoughts like I'm not a good mother. Um I shouldn't have had this baby. This baby doesn't deserve me. Um I need to do everything perfectly. Um so the all or nothing thinking, blaming yourself for things, catastrophizing outcomes like oh it's going to be the end of the world if I don't give my child breast milk, you know? Um and I really tell moms when you're 20 or 30, no one asks you were you breastfed or you're, were you bottle fed. It's really like sure breastfeeding is really really helpful, but don't put all this like huge pressure your mental well-being happy mom happy baby is more important than just getting breastfeeding right and it's like try it um try your resources maybe do a mix um but if it doesn't work for you it doesn't work for you um and then you know so really educating moms about some of the thought distortions like thinking about the future and thinking negative thoughts about the future um over generalizing oh this happened to me with my first child so it's going to happen to me with my future uh, babies uh these kinds of thought patterns we really educate moms how to detect them and challenge them based on actual factual evidence so this is one of the tools the other tool is behavioral intervention so um you know if you feel low and isolated 
connect to friends, call a friend up, tell her, hey, I miss you. Can I come over? Um, go out for a walk. Don't wait for you to be in the mood. We call it behavioral activation. Don't wait for the mood to be there um, for you to do the behavior. Sometimes when you go for a walk and you realize, oh, that was really good. I enjoyed moving my body. My baby um, was with me. Then you feel better. So basically push through it, like force yourself or push through those the, the, that difficult uh, those difficult feelings. Um, it will really help a mother when you um, tell her that you're a great mother. You're doing a great job. You're doing the best that you can with what you are going through. Um, those are dark, dark thoughts. These are like negative thoughts. They do not <clears throat> define you. This is not who you are. Uh, these are just symptoms that you're facing. That's not who you are. You know, this will pass. Um, you know, this part is really hard. It will get better. How can I help? Can I take the baby? You know, offer practical help because the mom is going to feel like it's all my responsibility. I cannot really put this on someone else. Um, I'm here to help you if you need me. Take as long as you need, you know. Um, I know you're trying really hard and you can do this. I believe in you. Uh, you are allowed to put yourself first. Caring for yourself does not mean you are selfish. And then offering really um, concrete, practical help. I can come at two. I can hold the baby. You can sleep for two hours. I'm going to make you lunch today. I'm going to help you with cleaning the house. So really practical help can go a long way. Um, you know, um, you will feel better again. Uh, your symptoms will go away when you get treatment. Um, you know, this will pass. This is not a lifetime, you know, sentence or something. There will be light at the end of the tunnel. Can I help you look for someone that can help you if you need to cry? You know, cry. I can sit with you while you cry. It doesn't mean you're, you're a bad mother. Um, you know, if we don't know what the mom is going through, we can ask her. I don't know what it feels like. Can you help me understand? I really want to know what you're struggling with. Um, you know, and uh, that's really, really helpful because um, these simple sentences, um, I support your decision about you know, how you choose to feed your child. I support your decisions about your treatment. Um, so moms need to feel like they are in control um, and, and they're not being shamed and they're not being judged and they're not being, you know, looked at as you're not good enough. And that's really, really important for them um, instead of comparing them to us or whatever. Those are amazing sentences and amazing tips on how you can actually support a new mom. I think there's actually a science behind what you're saying and how you're saying it because she talks about the emotion. So you're connecting to the emotional part of the brain, which is being which is what is actually activated during this point in time. Am I right, Russia? Yeah, that's right. And another skill that I teach moms is validation and partners. You know, sometimes I really like to have the partner as part of the treatment before, you know, having a child because moms need validation, you know, um, and, you know, I, I know you're struggling and, you know, uh, these thoughts are not true. So you don't have to agree with, yes, you're a bad mom, but you can say, I can see how having that thought really makes you feel low so you want to validate how that thought is impacting her emotion 
And I wonder if there's anything that we can do to help you get over it or, you know, to help you um, uh, go through it. And then how a mom talks to herself is very important. So these are one of the tools in terms of the coping tools, how a mom validates herself, talking to yourself with compassion, with love, with empathy, with warmth. That's very important. Um, mindfulness is another skill. So being in the moment, taking it one step at a time, because anxiety um, is all about the future, you know, like you said, you start thinking about all the bad things that could happen and how you're going to deal with them. And you're already overwhelmed with this new child and, you know, helping this new baby sleep. Um, and then you're thinking about all of these future things that may or may never happen. Um, so mindfulness will really help you notice this thinking and just bring yourself back to the present moment, um, non-judgmentally. And then depression is all about the past and who you are and like just not feeling good about yourself or the world in the future. So mindfulness will also help you notice that thinking, but also stay with your present moment. So if you're taking a shower, just take it mindfully, you know, um, you know, smell the, 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 you know, what, what is the shampoo like, um, Use your five senses to ground yourself. So that's really, really been very helpful for been very helpful for a lot of mothers. Those are some amazing, really, really amazing pieces of advice. And you're talking about ways in which you treat your patients and empower them to take control of their life again. So I think it's really important. You talked about family systems therapy. So, you know, partner or your relationship couples therapy. You're talking about understanding the psychological uh, thought process of the mother, but something that you do talk about is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is actually something really, really important because if things like postpartum depression or other anxiety disorders go untreated, there has actually been some evidence on delays in social emotional development for children. So there was a study done in rural parts of Pakistan, actually, which can be considered an example for rural or lower uh, socioeconomic parts of the Middle East and North Africa. So this study showed that there is a long, there could be a potentially long-term impact of untreated maternal depression on infant health and their social adjustment. Mothers who were treated showed that they were 26% more likely to play with their children. So if this actually goes untreated, there are mental health issues, relationship uh, issues with your child, and general like potential harm. So we're not saying that this is definitely going to happen, but this was a study that we found and we discussed with Russia as something that was relevant, important, and just interesting. Yeah, and that's actually um, so true because we talked about like untreated postpartum um, stuff, you know, postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, it doesn't go away on its own, but it not not only that, but it also affects the early relationship between mother and her child. Um, you know, there's like uh, research that has shown that it causes delays in learning and language development. It causes behavioral issues. It can cause like depression and anxiety in infants, uh, more frequent crying, agitation and stress, growth problems, higher risk of obesity, um, adjusting to social situations and school life. We know attachment um, is, is, is very important. It happens during the first five years of a, you know, a child's life and especially during the first 
year. Um, so the infant of a depressed mother is actually at a higher risk for developing insecure attachment and negative affect. And, and they have a really difficult time regulating their emotions. Um, toddlers and preschoolers of depressed mothers are at higher risk of developing um, self-control. Um, and you can have a lot of behavioral issues um, and, and negative interactions with parents, with peers. So um, it does affect their uh, conduct. Um, it does affect their uh, affect. And it does affect their learning abilities. And it does cause, um, or it's one of the risk factors for children developing anxiety and mood disorders. So it's definitely... Um, something that we need to pay attention to. So we always focus on the child. And my focus is the mom. <laughs> we need to focus on the mom because she's the one who's taking care of that child. And her quality of life is extremely, extremely important because it's going to be a direct reflection on her child's quality of life. I think that's an incredible final note um, to, to leave for our listeners is that it talking about postpartum anxiety disorders is not just important to raise awareness for the mom's well-being, but also for the children's well-being well into the future as they continue to grow in their households. And we're talking about, you know, potential long-term effects that could be affecting entire generations. I mean, we're just, I'm just thinking now about what's going on in different countries in the Middle East and all of the different uh, challenges, difficulties, trauma, violence, war, conflict um, that moms and, and newborn babies and children are having to live through. What's important to remember is that when it comes to mama's well-being, it also means that we're talking about the children's well-being and our society's overall well-being. Just to ask uh, one final question to you, Rasha, do you have any recommendations on books or uh, online information that mamas can get a hold of and, and uh, prepare for this new journey um, of motherhood and um, the, the array of different emotions that she may or will be going through? Yes, I have plenty of resources and I'm um, such a big believer in bibliotherapy. So there's a really good um, book that I um, recommend for a lot of moms. It's called Another Twinkle in the Eye, um, Contemplating Another Pregnancy After Perinatal Mental Illness. Um, there's a book called The Fourth Trimester, a uh, postpartum guide to healing your body, balancing your emotions and restoring your vitality. Um, there's another one called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts, um, a healing guide to the secret fears of new mothers. Uh, there's a really cool book called The Shit No One Tells You About Pregnancy. Um, <laughs> pregnancy childbirth and beyond. Um, in terms of workbooks, um, there's one called the Anxiety and Depression Workbook, um, Simple Effective CBT Techniques to Manage Moods and Feel Better. Um, and there's one um, called the Pregnancy and Post 
postpartum anxiety workbook. Um, so it offers practical skills to help you overcome anxiety, worry, panic attacks, obsessions, and compulsions. And there's one for postpartum depression. It's called the postpartum depression workbook, um, strategies to overcome negative thoughts, calm stress, and improve your mood um, workbook. Uh, there's one um, that I also like. It's called This Isn't What I Expected, Overcoming Postpartum Depression. That's also a really good good book. Um, and uh, Mom Brain, uh, which has uh, proven strategies to fight the anxiety, guilt, and overwhelming emotions of motherhood um, and to relax into your new self. Russia, thank you so much for being on this show with us. Thank you so much for educating and bringing awareness to all the listeners out there. Uh, we really appreciate you so much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to really talk about something that I'm very, very passionate about. So, um, And hopefully we can uh, also collaborate on other projects in the future. Yes, we really hope that through this discussion, whoever's been listening, if you're an OBGYN, midwife, or maybe you want to tell your OBGYNs as you're going through pregnancy to include mental screening as part of the consultations, mm -hmm. um, to raise awareness on postpartum depression and possibly and hopefully having a more holistic and interconnected uh, approach to how doctors and other um, medical uh, health professionals handle uh, pregnancy and postpartum mental well-being for mamas. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. We'll see you next week. Thank Ma you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.